Amen. Thank you, Grayson. So uh, last week and this week, we're looking at, and if you're a CCC member and came to the church last Sunday, then you're getting like a double dose because this is the same as the sermon. Um, so Jesus, th- this, this year, we're looking at leadership from Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is, very familiar story, he's teaching and he's teaching beside the Sea of Galilee. This is his hometown as an adult, Capernaum. This is where it's a little fishing village. James lives there. John lives there. Peter lives there. And Jesus is uh, teaching. As he teaches, the crowd grows, and he starts backing up, and he's getting in the water, and he needs help from Peter. And the focus of these 11 verses doesn't turn out to be about Jesus' teaching. It turns out, about, turns to, be out, uh, turns out to, to be about testing for Peter. So it's just interesting to me how Luke takes the, the lens and instead of focusing on what Jesus is saying, he's actually focusing on what Jesus is doing with Peter. Now, Peter doesn't realize, hey, this is a little test. I'm looking for leaders. I'm looking for people who are going to partner with me. I'm, I'm looking for, for people who are going to help launch this thing called the church. And I need these leaders to have certain characteristics. And so we're going to look at these five characteristics. We looked at two of them last week. We'll look at three of them this week. And the way I want you to think about this is first just a challenge to you. Do, do you or how are you doing in these characteristic ways? Do you... Uh, do you display these characteristics? But secondly, if you're in any kind of leadership position, whether you're a, a dad or in your work, you're, you're, you have people underneath you, how are you giving these tests to other people? Because you're trying to develop leaders underneath you, and you've got to somehow figure out, I need partners with me, and are they, are they coming along? Do they, do they have these kinds of characteristics? And so let me read it first, and then we'll uh, get to the points. One occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret or the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Peter's, he asked Peter to put out a little way from the land. Peter, get in the boat, and can you row out a little way so I can finish my sermon? And he did, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished the sermon, he said to Peter, hey, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, and master, we have toiled all night, and we've taken in nothing. But at your word, or in the NIV it says, because you said so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and the nets were breaking, and they signaled to their partners and the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken that day. And, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, partners with Peter. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. So these five leadership tests, I've got them up here. Uh, Again, we'll just review quickly. Action, Jesus is looking for people who are leaning in towards action. 
I, I need somebody, Jesus is saying, who's going to make my challenge their challenge. Or are you too tired or too busy? That's, that's the po- possibility for Peter. He's been out all night. He's tired. And he's busy. He's cleaning his nets. He's already got a job to do. And Jesus comes in and says, hey, I've got something that I need. I've got a logistics problem. Can you help me? And at that point, uh, Jesus is testing Peter and saying, hey, I know you're tired and busy, but can you put down your stuff to take up my stuff? Big, big leadership challenge for Peter, but he probably doesn't even realize what's happening here. And, and this happens a lot of times in your life. Just God is bringing somebody across your path, and you're, you've got stuff going on. And he's just wondering if for a moment you can put down your agenda and pick up his agenda. Let me give you an example of how that happened to me just this week. So I'm coming into the office. I come in on Tuesdays. That's my, I take Mondays off. So on Tuesday morning, I'm trying to get here early, and I'm, I'm moving pretty fast in my mind. I'm never moving fast physically, but I'm moving fast in my mind. All right? And so I'm sitting uh, in my car, finishing up a phone call. And, you know, people walk by here all the time. They walk through the parking lot. And this guy's walking through the parking lot, and I'm not really noticing him. But, I, but when I get out, he's kind of passing me. And I don't know the guy. I'm going, hey, good to see you this morning. Good day for a walk. You know, that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm moving fast. Hey, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about the church. So I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I got 60 seconds. Uh, and uh, hey, when do you meet? You know, some things. And I said, well, you know, what are, what are you looking for? Guy's probably in his 70s. My wife died four months ago. Now, as a pastor, here's what I'm supposed to be. Compassionate, caring, leaning in. And I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I mean, this guy's got a story, right? He, I could just tell he needed, he needed somebody to open up the fire hydrant on. And I was the lucky guy. My wife died. I've got these financial problems. I don't know anybody here. I've got to get my life. This is like the bleeding woman, right? Jesus comes, he comes, she comes to him, and she's got 12 years of history. And here I am. I'm preaching about this, and this is a little test. God's saying, hey, Paul, you know, you just pre- preached about this. Can you stop? And just for like seven or eight minutes, can you make my agenda your agenda? Or are you too busy doing my stuff? <laughs> so I had, to st- I had to slow myself down, not physically, but just internally. That kind of stuff, guys, I know it happens to you all the time. And it always happens when you're busy. You're never like, I'm just sitting around waiting for some old guy to come by and tell me a story. It, ne- it never happens that way. And, and can you... Are you the kind of person who can stop and say, hey, no matter what I'm doing, I'm willing to take on whatever Jesus' agenda is for me right now? Because that's more important than what I've got going on. So I'm, I'm a person who leans towards action. Second, can, can I do it in obedience? In other words, can I do it when I want to go in a different direction? This is the second part of this. 
uh, the challenge. The, the two hinges that open the doors for Peter in his future are one, he takes action, and two, he takes action when it's against what he wants to do. So it's fine enough, Peter can maybe look at Jesus and say, I see you got a logistics problem, I'll help you out. But then, hey, when the sermon's over, let's row back in because I, I need to get back to it. And Jesus says, hey, no, can you put out to the deep water? And you remember this phrase, we, we have been fishing all night. We are tired. We've got stuff to do, but because you say so, I will. This is a critical leadership test. It's one thing for me to kind of just stop here for a few minutes and talk, but when I would rather go in a totally different direction than God, can I say, because you said so, I will. That's the obedience test. Third test, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, the credit test. We all know what happens. Peter passes the first two tests. He's, he leans in towards action, and even when it's not what he wants to do, if it's what God wants to do, he's willing to go in that direction. And then we know what happens. He pu- starts pull, putting down the net, and you don't know if he's putting down the net like, dang that, I just cleaned it. I'm gonna have to clean it again. I mean, you don't know if he's grumbling about it, but then, you know, he pulls up, uh, Maybe he thinks it's caught on the side of the boat. I mean, I don't know, but pretty soon he realizes there's tons of fish in it. There's more fish than his boat can have. He's got to get another boat out there. So many, it's, it's sinking both boats. And this is a critical leadership moment. Everyone is amazed. As far as we know, the only two people who know what, knew what happened are who? Peter and Jesus. So everybody comes out, wow, look what's happened. Who, who did this? And this is a critical little test for Peter. And how tempting is it when something really goes well, you go, oh, yeah, you know, I was a part of that. I, I take the spotlight. I, I move in and grab the headline. I mean, nobody's going to know except for, for Jesus. And, of course, these are his buddies, so he wants to brag with his buddies, right? You know, how many fish did you catch? You know the fishing thing. You know, you're, the fish you caught was this big, but the story is this big. And Peter, what's he going to do? Who deserves the credit test? Peter passes really well. Falls on his knees in front of everybody, the crowd, the fishermen, and he says, look, not me. I'm a sinful man. I don't, I don't have that kind of power. I don't even belong to be in your presence. I'm not a kind of person that could even be in your presence. I'm, gonna, I'm glad to give all the credit to Jesus. I want all the focus to be on Jesus. So how do you do on that? God's given you certain talents. God's given you certain gifts. God's opened certain doors for you people come to you, what, how do you do on the credit test? Take credit. It's really about what I've done or are you willing to deflect the credit? Now, when you're a young guy, it's maybe you feel like, hey, it's easier to step in and try to take the credit. But when you get older, you're like, okay, I'm done. I've done that. But that's not the case. Remember King David, King David? He's at the height of his popularity. He's seen 
God do incredible things. I mean, it just starts with David and Goliath, and it, it just rolls on for, for 20, 30 years. And now he's the king. Everybody knows what he's done. Everybody knows what God's done through him. I mean, it's just, just he's at the top of his game, and he goes and asks his best friend, a guy named Joab, and says, hey, Joab, why don't you go count the troops? And his friend Joab says, David, don't count the troops. Whatever you do, don't count the troops because I know what's going to happen. You're going you're to parade that number out in front of other people and you're going to, to give the illusion that because of your leadership, you've amassed this number of leaders who all want to follow you and are willing to go into any battle just for King David and you're going to suck up the glory. Don't do it. And David says, hey, I want you to go count the troops. And Joab goes and counts the troops, comes back, says, hey, there's 1.3 million troops. And immediately, David is cut to the heart. He's convicted by his sin of trying to step in and say, everybody, look at what I've done. The cost was pretty big. 70,000 troops died. So just when things happen, do you pass the credit test? When, when you're building a team, you know, you know what really destroys a team? When somebody's about me instead of we. You know this. Probably been on enough teams where you go, this guy, he's the hot dog. He's the glory hound, Right? Whenever things happen, he's willing to step in the spotlight and suck up as much as he possibly can. And that just crumbles a team. So you don't want to just look at and say, am I that way? That's one of the questions. But the second thing, especially if you're in the leadership position, who are the kinds of people that you're attracting? And are you giving them these little tests to say, hey, you know what? You're a glory hog. So I, I don't need you on my team. That's not, gonna, that's not going to help the team. You got maybe a lot of skill. You're an awesome salesperson. But when it comes to uh, the team, you're a terrible team member. And so we don't want that. There's another little passage. It's easy to kind of forget this. Um, but Herod was the leader of the Jerusalem people. And he, he comes to this appointed po- point in his life where all the people are gathered around. He puts on this royal robe. He sits on his throne. He delivers a great speech to the people. This is all at the end of Acts 12. And the people were shouting to Herod, listen to this, the voice of a God, this is not a man. Little test, little test. What's Herod going to do with that kind of feedback? This is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms. You see what happens? When you take the glory in for yourself, it it eats you from the inside out. So how do you do on the credit test? How are you giving people an opportunity to sort of pass that test? The third, the catching and casting a vision test. Uh, Again, back to Luke 5, 10. Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. This is the grander vision that Jesus cast. I mean, Peter, let's stand here and look at all these fish. And as great as this catch is, 
There's a greater vision. I'm trying to pull your head off of your paycheck and put it on eternity. You're going to be doing something that's so much grander, and Jesus is so great at casting this vision, this grander vision. And I'm wondering two things. One, have you caught that vision? Or are you stuck looking down basically at your paycheck? See, Peter, he is called to a very specific thing. He's going to be the leader of the church. And I'm not going to be that, and you're not going to be that. So there is something about this casting of the vision that's unique to Peter. But when Jesus leaves the earth, he gives the great commission to every, every person. Go and make disciples of every nation in, in every place. In other words, in every business, in every neighborhood, in every school, in in every place, all of us have that, that same vision. And I'm wondering if that grand vision translates to your work. Or do you say, well, I'm a part of that vision because I'm a part of Christ Community Church. Or I'm a part of this thing that does good, good deeds. But when I get to work, that vision doesn't apply. I'm down here just saying, I'm just working on these problems. I'm trying to get this paycheck. I'm trying to grow this business. Or is there a grander vision that God might have for you, not to get you out of where you are, but to lift your head and say, get, get off of this stuff and realize I've got you here for a much grander vision, not just to make money or to get something done, but to get something I want done. Is that a part of how you enter your every day, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, most of your life? Or is the grander vision really something that's a little bubble over here you just do on the weekends or Sunday or every once in a while? That's you. Secondly, if you're a leader, do you, do you, do you cast a grander vision for people underneath you? Especially if you're a dad. Grayson, he knows this because of his own dad, and now he's a dad. And he knows, he knows the power and influence of the voice of a dad. Whether the dad isn't there, that's a powerful voice, or the dad does a great job, that's a power. Either one of those are powerful voices. And as a dad, are you looking at your children you're trying to lift their heads off of the things they're going to suck them down and say, I want a grander vision. I want you to see something so much bigger than this. See, that, that's, that's a challenge that Grayson and a lot of you younger dads have that I didn't have because we didn't have this when my kids were growing up. But you go around a bunch of kids right now, this is what they're doing. While they're all together, they're doing this. And see, so you've got a mighty challenge to try to cast a much grander vision. And it's not going to be just get off your phones. That's going to be just the low-level conversation. You want to cast something that catches their attention. I have this picture in my office. I love this picture. It's called Young Sir Walter Raleigh, and he's the boy to the left. 
and you get the sense that he, he's, he's uptight, he's not sure what this guy's describing, but he's captured by it. And this guy, the older man, he's a sailor. And he's trying to describe the immensity of the sea to young Sir Walter Raleigh. And I, I love the quote, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people together to collect wood and just assign, hey, this is what you need to build a boat. No, cast a vision for the immensity of the sea. And then, then you can come back and say, did you catch that vision? Okay, now we got to build a boat. Does that make sense? So many times we do it the opposite way, just, hey, put down your phone, uh, uh, do this, don't do that. Well, you're going to have to get to that, but the motive for it is this grander vision, and Jesus does it perfectly for Peter. Peter, you see all this? Yes, yes. i got a much grander vision. And does that apply to you at work, and do you apply that vision? Do you cast vision for people underneath you? Third and final test, the sacrifice test. You've got to leave valuable things behind. The grander the vision, the greater the sacrifice. Everybody knows this. This isn't a Christian principle. If you want to be an athlete, if you want to be a scholar, if you want to be an excellent businessman, if you want to be an excellent father, if you want to be an excellent husband, whatever it is, the, the bigger the task, the more you have to sacrifice. Think about, think about this. Peter's got his biggest paycheck right in front of him, right? He's probably going, this is a week's worth or a month's worth. I mean, well, he's, he's calculating. He's a fisherman. He knows how many fish it takes to feed his family and, and make some money. And maybe he's thinking, man, I can buy that new car with all these fish. I mean, you don't know how he's thinking. But Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, you see that giant paycheck that feels like it's going to fill up that hole in your soul? Can you give it to me? Oh, that's a, that's a tough test. Can you leave something behind? Or it does really, this is, this is where you need to be honest in your group. Or has something material attached itself to your soul and you can't actually leave that behind? You're for Jesus, you want to do what he says, but really this thing, I got to have this thing. I, I say I, I can give it all up, but really this thing. And maybe if you're honest, well, it's not just this thing, it's, it's kind of that thing too. See, some, some people are stuck in their Christian walk, in their, in their ability to lead, because they can't leave something behind. And Jesus may be saying, hey, this is, this is a test for you. This is, I'm waiting to open up this great big door, but to, in order for you to get through this door, you've got to let that go. And, and he's waiting to use you in ways you can't see, but you've got to leave this thing behind. There's an old movie, probably four people in here have seen it. It's, a, it's kind of a goofy, it is a goofy movie. It's called The Jerk by, with Steve Martin. And, he, and he, I think the beginning of it, it says, I grew up as a young black child or something like that. And, uh, you know, he's poor. And he, he makes this thing with glasses that makes him rich. It's really stupid. And he's gotten to where he's gotten everything he wants. He's got the beautiful girl. He's got the big house. 
And finally, he's got frustrated and he thinks, I don't need any of this anymore. And there's a, this funny little scene, and then we'll get into our groups and well, talk. Why did I go there? <laughs> and I don't need any of this. I don't need this stuff. And I don't need you. I don't need anything except this. Listen, I tell you, that's the only thing I need is this. I don't need this or this. This, this ashtray. This paddle game. The ashtray and the power game, and the remote control, and that's all I need. Mean. These matches. The ashtray and these matches and the remote control and the paddle ball. This lamp. So it's funny, but it's true. You say, oh, I, I could, Paul, I could give all this stuff up. Okay, uh, yeah, but, th- but this, but this, and, and pretty soon you're not actually free to do what God wants you to do because you, you, you've clutched so many things. Now, here at the very end, when you've done all these other things, this last test, you can't really lead because you got a hold of so many things. So how are you doing on that test? The people you lead, you're giving them a chance to say, hey, if you want to get on the inside, if you want to grow, you got to give that up. <laughs> 